information you can trust, stories you can relate to, and tips and tactics you can apply on your next adventure. Hunting, fishing, camping, and everything in between. This is the Battle Mountain Podcast. This is a Battle Mountain Podcast from the archives. So everybody, Zach Harold here. Um, excited to have uh, somebody who is becoming one of my f- good friends in the industry, John Salone, on the on the other end of the podcast, um, and he's going to share a couple hunting stories with us today. And starting off, I guess, with a sheep story. So thanks for hopping on, John. Hey, thanks for having me, man. Uh, and uh, I'm. Uh... I'm honored that you consider me a friend. That's awesome. We've, we've had an opportunity to hunt together. Matter of fact, I think I might actually share that story too. <laughs> <laughs> that was an interesting hunt. It was. It was. It Man, we saw a lot of deer on that hunt. But anyways, we'll, we'll go into that one, I guess, after the sheep story. <laughs> sure. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And, uh, and, and part of the reason why I'm going to talk about the sheep story is because uh, I'm working on I'm working on that film right now with uh, Trevin Stolfus of uh, Outback Outdoors, um, and uh, we're putting together that film, so that should be releasing that pretty soon. So it's pretty fresh in my mind. I just went through all the footage and kind of thought about everything, and so um, yeah. So 2000. Uh, 16, I, uh, I drew a desert sheep tag here in Arizona, which is arguably the hardest tag to draw in the United States. Um, I, I think I put in for about 17, 16 or 17 years. I can remember, uh, and I could always go back and look, but it is either 16 or 17 years before I drew, which is still, it seems like a lot, which is but it's still below the the max point pool, which I believe is at twenty is at twenty two years uh, for the unit that I was putting in for. Um, so I drew. Of course, I'm freaking ecstatic. I find out uh, I was actually hunting blacktail in a zone in California uh, when I got the results. I had just blown a stalk on a buck, so I was kind of feeling a little shitty. Get back over and meet up with, uh, yeah. Get back over and meet up with uh, Tanner, who was my cameraman at the time, and I'm like, I got a message and alert that the results came out. I'm like, oh, cool, I'm gonna check it out. You know, I'm I'm expecting to see, you know, 
draw for deer or whatever. And I go in there and I'm like, no freaking shit, man. I just drew, you know, the Holy Grail. I just drew a sheep tag. God damn. I and I just freaking jacked. <laughs> oh, dude, I was, I was bouncing around like a freaking retard, you know, on on crack um, I forgot all about blowing that stock <laughs> oh yeah yeah I couldn't even think about blacktail I literally like I went into mode so that's so that was in July um, I, I literally got home and went straight out like within two three days I went straight down to my unit start poking around a little bit um, anyway so I find out of course my hunt's not till December so I, I, I started going to poke around in July. Um, and, uh, I started making trips down there. Um, you know, every couple of weeks I would go down there and just, and poke around a little bit and scout around and see what I could find. And I was finding, I was finding some good sheep. Um, fast forward. Oh, I actually, I also had the opportunity in, let's say August or September, to meet up with uh, one of the uh, game and fish officers that um, that run that unit, and uh, he was nice enough to take me around and show me a couple other areas, and uh, got into some good sheep there too. Got some good film. I took my dad down. Anyway, so fast forward to I want to say October. I'm still trying to figure out the logistics and really hard to get a hold of anybody on that because the, the unit 90, like 90% of the units occupied by a military base called the YPG, the Yuma proving grounds. It's basically a bombing range. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, for, I mean, that's basically what it is. A maneuvers range. Um, and, so I've been, you know, trying to deal with them and get a hold of the guy that I need to talk to. Anyway, long story short, I, I find out that I am not allowed to film my hunt on the YPG unless I have an escort. So I go through the process of trying to get an escort, blah, blah, blah. Again, long story short, they can't give me an escort for the amount of days that I'm going to be down there. They cannot supply me with one, so I can't I can't film my hunt on on the YPG, which, like I said, occupies like a giant portion. I don't know if it's quite ninety percent, but it's it's somewhere between eighty and ninety percent. Yeah. Um, so I'm like, frick! Now I'm just bummed. So all the scouting that I've done has gone out the window, unless I don't want to film it. <laughs> And I'm like, there's no way I'm going to go do a once-in-a-lifetime tag because you can only draw this hunt once in your lifetime. You can never draw it again. You're not allowed to. Um, not to mention, it'd probably take me 25 years to do it, and I'm going to be you know, well, into my, well, well into my 60s, almost 70 before I draw it. So um, I'm like, there's no way I'm going to do this without filming it. So I started like, you know, crunching in some other scouting on the BLM land and some of the state land that was also part of the union. Luckily there's sheep in there also. Um, but not nearly as many and nowhere near the trophy quality 
they still had some age class in there and that was my main thing anyway. So I kind of switched my goals. I mean, I always had a similar goals, but I had to adjust them a bit. I had to adjust my expectations a bit. And I went from, you know, oh, I'm, I'm shooting a 160, 165 Ram, do or die, you know, to I'm going to shoot something that's at least eight years old. It's going to be with my bow and it's going to be on camera. So, you know, a little bit about this hunt, it's a general tag. So you can use any weapon. Okay. And something like 94%. And again, I don't remember the exact numbers, but I, when I looked it up, 90, like 94% of the harvests are done with a rifle. So it's a real low, um, you know, not success rate, but you know, not so many people try with the bow. And I'm like, so for me, this is the hunt. This is the, this is the trophy. The trophy is getting it on film, harvesting a mature ram and getting it done with the bow. So that became my focus. That became my goal. Um, you know, I'm going to back up a little bit. So part of the, part of the thing about the hunt is like, it's a once in a lifetime tag. So in your head, you start like really just envisioning like all these delusions of grandeur, like you're conquering the mountain and, you know, packing out this giant ram and just all these things start. And, and, and with that comes a bunch of pressure because you're like, shit, it's once in a lifetime. It's not like, Hey, I just drew a, a good elk tag and, you know, I could probably draw this tag again in seventy six, seven years or whatever. Yeah. Um, it's never going to happen again. There's no amount of time to pass by nothing. I mean, I could possibly draw in another state, but uh, but in Arizona, I will never be able to do this again. And it's just like that pressure. It builds up. Yeah. And all these people. Yeah. So, and of course, you know, being in the public eye, it's even that much worse because it's like, oh, shit, if I fail, I'm. <laughs> you know yeah it's not just it's not my own failure <laughs> exactly it's not just me uh having to you know i got it's out there so and it's and it you know again it, it, you don't want to fail the experience you don't want to fail a once in a lifetime opportunity so it adds a lot of pressure so there was a lot of people that when they found out that I had drawn the tag, you know, a lot of friends, uh, acquaintances, so on and so forth, all came out of the woodwork and were like, oh, you know, we'd love to be part of it. We want to help you glass. We want to help you do this. Da, 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 da. And the intentions were all good and they were all there. But one by one, they all dropped off. And of course, the hunt, fuckers. Yeah, well, you know, well, you know how it is, man. It's and, and I don't blame them. It's just how do you take off a of work? It's hard to take off of work for your own hunts. No it's shit. hard to to get away and say that to your wife, "Hey, I'm leaving." But then to go around and spend money and uh, you know, potentially not get paid from work and and give up some of that uh that equity that you have with your wife to go on your own hunts, you know, and so on and so forth. It, it's tough. So I, I, I wasn't mad at all, but it started, um, it started feeling really gloomy and I spent a lot of time out there alone. And this place is like, it's pretty desolate. It's like very eerie feeling and you're out there and just, 
you don't even know how things can live out there to begin with. But and it just it it felt like, oh my god, man, this awesome thing that I'm feeling about having this tag is starting to feel not so awesome anymore. And um, it really wore on me. And you know, I got I got down to the wire, and um, the hunt was about to show up and. Um, one of, one of my good friends, my, my closest, one of my closest hunting buddies and, and, uh, consequently works for me. He's one of my guides. Uh, he's like, I'm going to, I'm going to come with you. I'm going to, I'm going to do whatever I can to get off and I'm going to come with you. So, uh, he came and, and my long time and that's, uh, Jake Dahmer's, um, and then my long time, uh, friend and cameraman, Levi Paul stepped up too last minute. He's like, and that was the other thing. I couldn't, I, everybody kept backing out with, for me on the camera thing. And I was like, you gotta be shitting me. This is like not happening. So, and Levi, <laughs> Holy yeah. Shit. So, so let now, me get this right. Yeah. Like, here you are. You literally have your once in a lifetime tag and you find out that the cameraman can no longer go. The people that were going to help can no longer go. And on top of it, unless you are basically with it, a guide slash escort you can't hunt 80 to 90 percent of your unit like holy shit yeah wait it gets even worse so (laughs) (laughs) they invite me down Uh, i I made really good friends with the fishing game they invite me down to meet up with them they had had to do they were going to do a flyover and they did a flyover in Again, I don't remember if it was October, maybe November. It was a, a month, month and a half before my hunt. And I met them after they did the flyover and they, they told me what they've seen. And they were saying that unit-wide, the population was down 30%. I was like, you gotta be shitting me. So it's like everything. I mean, I was, I, that part really didn't bother me too much because I already had put eyes on a lot of a lot of uh, rams, a lot of sheep in general. Um, so I wasn't too, too concerned about it. I mean, but you don't ever want to hear that. You don't ever want to hear until going into a hunt that the population in the unit's down 30%, number one. And number two, you know, for your for your hunt, but then also for the, the thought of, um, you know, other species and, 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 and the, uh, you know, livelihood of that species in the unit. But... Anyway, I um, anyway, so the hunt shows up. <laughs> uh, good buddy of mine, John Bingham, steps up and he's like, "Hey, listen, if you need, because um, I was having a little issues with my with my truck too on the suspension, he um, he let me his side by side. So we to- we towed that down. We get down there, and uh, <laughs> I don't know if Jake's gonna want me sharing this, but uh, <laughs> you might have to edit this out." <laughs> Um, we get down there and we're on the YPG and we're, and we're signing in. Okay. And they arrest Jake. What the fuck? This is the day before the hunt. They arrest Jake. They detain him. Oh. And I'm like, what the fuck? Anyway, it turns out he has a speeding ticket or whatever. It was a traffic ticket that turned into a warrant for his arrest because he never took care of it. <laughs> Well, we finally get all that cleared up and just in time for the next day, because I get, I basically bust them out of jail at like nine o'clock that night. And, uh, oh, 
And my son just walked in the room. Sorry about that. Man, I don't care. (laughs) If he wants to share part of the story, he can. (laughs) (laughs) He was in his mama's belly when that happened. Um, So, yeah, we – so anyway, now we finally – day one, we know we're getting started. And uh, we get out there. And I know literally the first hour of the first morning, I found – a really deceiving sheep. He had a really good long curl and, uh, I stalked in on him. I got to 56 yards. I drew back and I let down because once I got a really good look at him, like, you know what? This is not, he's just not an old, he's, he's a pretty decent scoring sheep, but he's just not, doesn't have the age. So I let down and I let him go. Um, you know, so right away, all that crap that went on leading up to the to the hunt just went out the door. You know, hey, we're gonna get this done. You know that that that's where my brain went. You know, I started feeling really good about everything. Um, and I uh, I had done a bunch of scouting in these lower this lower country that was close to the Colorado River. So, um, I said to Jake, I'm like, listen, we should go check out over here that for the afternoon. And we, we went over there for the afternoon and, um, you know, now I'm feeling, I'm feeling good about everything. I'm, you know, we got on a sheep already, got it within range, within range. I could have killed them. So we get out there and, um, the, the bad luck continues. <laughs> I'm I'm driving John's I'm driving John's side by side up this hill, and it and it's a four seater, and it's only a 500 cc four seater, and like I don't know if it just didn't have enough power enough torque anyway I, I kind of lost it and it was real like loose and whatever. Again, long story short, I basically almost rolled this thing down the freaking ravine. Um, we jump out. I have to call my buddy, uh, Chad Roberts to come help us with his Jeep. He gets over there and, uh, we kind of dig it out of the rocks and, uh, you know, it didn't fall or anything, but it it started sliding down the hill. And, you know, if we would have tried to move it on its own power, would have kept on sliding. So we just parked it, waited for him and, uh, we, we manhandled it into place and winched it out. So <laughs> I'm like, man, now I'm like getting to the point. I'm like, Jesus, can anything else go wrong at this point? <laughs> and, uh, you know, on top of it all, I got some crap going on at work at home. And it's December. So my wife is, even though she's like, I give you the whole, I give you the pass for the, you know, the whole month if you need it. I know this is a one life, you know, once a lifetime tag, but inside I could tell she really was just like, I want you home now, I'm, you know? So I'm just like, all this pressure is just still sitting there over my head. So I'm like, all right, next morning we get out there. Oh, excuse me. Before I, let me back up a little bit. That night from a long ways away, I glass up a big, big ram, and I believe I at the time I believe it's this this ram I call Old Yellow because he had these like really yellow horns. And um, anyway, I glass him up. We put him to bed. Very next morning, 
we we get in there and and really like in the dark i glass him back up just laying there and uh pretty much still in the same bed he was the night before so we get in there and and yep there he is and we get closer and uh, get to a spot where I can, you know, size them up and really look at them and make sure it's the ram that I think it is. We get in there, and, and sure enough, it's him. But now he's going up and over the ridge. So he goes up and over the ridge. We, uh, you know, we make a play on him and get into position. We pick him back up for midday. And I eventually make a stalk on him and uh, the two other rams that he's with i get to about 30 yards he's just over the other side of this um you know basically just a brushless cliff and or not cliff i'm gonna call it it's more like a ridge um and i come to full draw and i start walking at full draw because i know as soon as i pop over he's gonna be right there and i'm gonna have a couple seconds to make a decision well i come over the top and he busts out and runs runs down and across the um the drainage from me and he stops so i let down i range him and i draw back again and he and he as i draw back again he runs up a couple of uh a couple of yards and stops again and now at this point the wind's whipping like hell I don't have an exact range on him. And in my head, I'm thinking 75 yards. So I end up letting down and letting go because I don't want to wound this thing. You know, I'm like, I get that. You know, I've made, I've made harder and longer shots before in my life, but uh, this is not how I want to be. You know, I want to do this. I don't want to be remembered (laughs) taking a, a crazy shot as a, at a, at a once in a lifetime and a desert sheep to boot. So anyway, I let down and let him go and I'm just like freaking pissed off. But at the same time, I'm super happy because we found the sheep that I want to hunt. Um, fast forward to the next morning, we get in there and, um, Jake actually glasses him back up at first light and he is with like, 40 maybe 50 other sheep rams and ewes and they're just bedded everywhere it's just a uh, you know a landmine field of of eyes everywhere um so i take off after him probably i mean right after first light come up with a plan to come up from underneath him day goes by Fast forward, we had me and uh, Levi had dropped our packs somewhere along the line um, in this drainage, and I'm trying to remember about where it was. Probably about three quarters of the way uh, to where we were got to him, and and we got to this one spot, and we were basically pinned down, and we were there till I want to say about one o'clock. So I'm sitting there, no water, no food. We're just sitting on this, just waiting for the situation to happen. So this ram, Old Yellow, he's starting to feed off. And another big ram comes over the top. 
and kind of joins the group. And now I got a radio butt in my ear and, you know, Jake's telling me all this stuff and he's like, Oh, Hey, there's another Ram. I think he actually might be bigger than bigger and older than, and than old yellow. And, um, you know, so right now you have two Rams in play. Anyway, again, fast forward another couple hours goes by and old yellow keeps moving out of the picture. But this other Ram keeps moving down actually closer to me. So it's about, I don't know, 3 p.m., 4 p.m. at this time. And uh, my buddy Chad shows up to meet up with uh, with Jake. And Chad's dad had met up with Jake earlier. And um, he gets over there and he starts snapping pictures through his phone. And I have no cell phone service, but we're talking, um, you know, through the radio. And he's like, listen. I'm going to come, Chad said, I'm going to come up that, that cut that you guys just meet me halfway. I'll bring you guys some water, yada, yada, yada. And I want to show you these pictures. So we go down, we meet Chad and he shows me the picture. So now I can see on a photograph how everything's kind of laid out where all the sheep are at. (laughs) And it turns out, it turns out that Levi and I were sitting probably, I don't know, 40, 50 yards below these sheep this whole time. We had no clue because uh, Jay couldn't see us because we're down the thing. All he could see is the sheep and he knows, you know, where we were going, but he didn't know exactly where we were at. So now I got Chad in tow and Levi in tow because Chad's like, I'm just going to come with you. So, boom, we, we all go get to the same spot, crawl on our hands and knees. And I come and I come around this edge and I peek over and I can see the sheep. And I'm like, oh, shit, they're right there. You know, they're like 40, 45 yards away. Oh man! So, yeah. Now I'm like, okay, okay. So it's on right now, and I still at this point I still haven't seen the sheep. Like, it's not like I, I compared them side by side to him and old, old yellow. I just, you know, always going by what Jake had told me, and uh, you know, I saw the picture, but it was, you know, a, a crappy. Um, it wasn't great quality of um, of a digi scope. So, um, anyhow. I get there, I hand my rangefinder to, to Chad. I'm like, listen, just stand up behind me. I, I ranged them up myself first, but I said, stand up behind me just in case we have to make a, you know, an adjustment shot. So I slowly come up, I get the full draw down low and I stand up and he gets startled, but he didn't really see me, he just saw some movement and he, and he jogs up the hill like, from about 45 yards to about 52 yards and he stops and he's not even looking back at me and I just let one go hit him goes about five yards and just rolls down the hill and it was like everything was just crazy here it is you know day three and we got a sheep down so get over there and I get to the sheep and I'm almost embarrassed to say this. And I look at him and I'm just disappointed. And I'm like, he met all my criteria. He was, uh, I think fish and game aged about nine and a half. Um, so he met my age criteria. I got it on film. I did it with the bow, but I was mad at myself. I wasn't disappointed in the sheep. I was disappointed in myself that I had all this time 
and it wasn't just about the hunt. It was supposed to be about the experience of having a once in a lifetime experience, a once, you know, one chance. I could have, I could have stayed down there for a, at least a week or two weeks, you know, um, ten days, whatever, and 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 had a more fulfilling experience. But because I had felt all that pressure and I, I, I really wanted to succeed. I feel like I failed the experience, even though I succeeded with the, with the Ram that I, uh, you know, that I was happy with. And it was just, it was just a weird feeling, man. And, and the reason why, you know, the reason why I brought up this story, was like, I, I feel like guys, especially I do, I do it a lot. I get, I get caught up in the wanting to harvest an animal and wanting to prove something a lot of times I think it is maybe uh, and that that sometimes takes away from the experience and and for me I feel like the experience is the most important thing um, and I was upset that I squandered the experience because of the pressure I was feeling does that make sense yeah that makes sense and I think I think that happens to you know I think it happens to all kinds of people especially um, more and more you get into the hunting industry and everything like that whether people want to think of it that way or not when you're in the hunting industry you have to kill shit you do you know yeah and you know, oh yeah if you go, especially if you have sponsors yeah you know if you go year after year after year and you're not killing stuff and you're no longer you're no longer going to be you know having sponsors or anything like that. So I completely get that adding a whole another aspect of uh, pressure to your hunt for sure. And then on top of it, knowing what you're capable of, and going in there like I know that I can do this, so I have to do it. You know, it's I, I get it completely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't think people uh, that are in the that aren't in the industry really grasp that like you're under the gun to perform all the time you know and, mm -hmm. and it's just like yeah i think yeah sometimes sometimes it wears on you yeah yeah the outside look at it it's like all sunshine and rainbows <clears throat> um but you know companies are are looking at you saying okay cool this this guy's is a good hunter. He knows what he's doing. So um, we're either going to compensate him in gear or money or sponsorship or whatever else. And that's great. But then you're expected to perform good every year. And yeah. that's an added pressure that when you're on the outside looking in, that's an added pressure that people don't realize come along with it. You know, you're like, oh, it's so cool that you're mm -hmm. sponsored and you get this, that, and whatever. But that added pressure is something that people don't ever really realize is there until you're in the situation. <laughs> right. Right. Yep. So that's well, my man, shape story. Yeah, no, it's an <laughs> awesome story because I remember when the when the pictures – I remember when you drew the tag first off. Um, and then I, I remember the pictures started funneling through and I was just like – I remember you going out on this hunt. 
and the next thing I knew, I was seeing pictures of a dead sheep, and I was like, holy shit, he already got one? <laughs> like, yeah. man, that's yeah. awesome. <laughs> yeah, believe it or not, on those sheep hunts, especially the desert sheep hunts, um, most people kill in the first five days of the hunt. That's crazy. Yeah. You, you know what? I mean, here's, here's the thing. Um, for me, I don't think sheep are terribly hard as an animal. I mean, if you're going to compare them to deer, they're, the deer are way more weary, way more alert. Um, their senses are better than sheep. What makes it a difficult hunt is the terrain they live in. Um, you know, but it's not, uh, it's a physical hunt, but it's to me as an adversary, you know, if we're going to talk about it like that, they, the deer are definitely tougher, uh, to get close to than sheep. Cause even during my scouting and I, and I did this on purpose, I kept sneaking into bow range to take photos. Um, and there were so many times where I was just like, you know, under 70 yards and, just had they had no clue I was there. Yeah. Um, so, you know, Sweet man. The, so with, with your hunt, you know, with all that stuff going wrong, uh, obviously that's, that's a lot of stuff that go wrong. that could ruin most people's hunt and, and they would, would have packed it in and been done, you know? So, what were some of the yeah. some of the things that you were you know doing or telling yourself or kind of the driving factor behind all of it to even with all of the negativity and people getting arrested and side by sides and trucks breaking down like what yeah. what did you keep telling yourself to kind of keep as much positivity as possible so that because as you know as soon as you let the negative in everything goes to shit and you don't even hunt the way that you usually hunt anyways so yeah. What you do to stay positive and and get the outcome you wanted? Well, you know that I'm not a positive person at all. <laughs> You've hunted with me. I've uh, <laughs> I'm a negative Nelly, and um, the only thing you know when I'm faced with that stuff for me, I've been there so many times. Um, I love being the underdog, mm-hmm. and. Sometimes I think I manifest it and become, you know, and put myself in that position on purpose. Um, so I love, I love conquering challenges. I mean, I, even in my day to day profession, I'm constantly dealing with problems and problem solving. So it's for me, like, I just kept telling myself, this is old hat, John. This is nothing new. This shit happens to you all the time. If I go back and look at, <laughs> I mean, seriously, I go back and look at almost all my hunts. I mean, very few of them are like, oh, cool. I just, you know, that one is planned, you know, <laughs> and, uh, you know, after, after so many, it's, it's old hat now. Like I, you just get used to brushing that stuff off your shoulder and, and moving on. So, yeah. And well, like I say, I appreciate you sharing your, sharing your sheep story with me. That was I, I think there's a lot of stuff in there that, that people could probably pick up and learn from, so I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Absolutely.
uh, that that film will be out here probably in the next month or so. So, awesome. um, you'll get to see it firsthand. 